something universe you know what it was um, oh that was it it was gonna be something universe something um, we universe. are back and we are something universe um quentin how you doing this evening i'm looking at how many matches layla hirsch had in 2023 because now she I'm was injured she, she like she's been back for a while now so i'm just kind of confused how come we haven't oh, seen yeah. her on AEW yet? Because well, I think I'm, she's an I'm, ROH talent. I, I guess. Okay. Yeah. There's a rule. Tony is working on a very strict rule of like the good women's wrestlers have to be on ROH. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Red, <laughs> Red, Red, Red Velvet is in the is in the is in the tournament though. Yes, that's true. Uh, Red Velvet is actually considered one of the good women's wrestlers now, um, according to. The people who review like SmackDown and stuff, um, yeah, they they think that Red Velvet is good too. So yeah, but no, I'm the the the, 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 the die has been cast, as they say. Um, Red Velvet good, and um, Tony Storm, I guess bad, according to the Observer Awards. That happened since the last time we recorded, right? The Observer Awards came out. Did we not? That is true. Observer, Observer Awards came out, yeah. That's the only thing that I thought. I mean, everything was obviously very stupid and, and wrong for the most part. There was very few awards that went to the right person, um, especially because so many of them went to Will Ospreay. But uh, the funniest the, that was the funniest thing to me. And, you know, someone, you know, Chris from the uh, Bad Wrestling podcast kind of like, well, I wouldn't say he was correcting or scolding or anything, but he was just kind of giving me like, you know, the lowdown, like, oh, that's not that uncommon. But, you know, he's probably right that it's not that uncommon. But I the, the thing that I thought was the craziest was that Tony Storm won the gimmick of the year. She won the best gimmick of the year. And she also was on the worst gimmick of the year list, not once, but twice. She was yeah. on the worst gimmick of the year list two and two separate things. And that was the part that got me. I'm just like, okay, it's fine. If you say like the worst awards tend to be like the vocal minority of people that, that, uh, that vote on those and they're doing it just to like, grind an axe or be sour grapes or whatever but like the fact that she was on the worst gimmick of the year twice just felt like glaring so i guess that damn were the out were the outcast a little thing in 2023 i mean partially right they were still around a bit here and there so i guess it would have been the, i guess it was for the outcast yeah. and timeless tony yeah she was on both right so she was yeah. the outcasts were on there and the timeless tony was on there so yeah, um, you know, whatever. Like I said, pretty pretty cool. I just thought that was crazy to be like you won the best and you were on the worst list twice. Um, it's funny. This is this, this is this is now Osprey's third most outstanding. Right. Yeah, he won it in twenty nineteen, and then Kenny and Shingo won it in twenty 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 in twenty twenty one, and now he's won it 
back to back years in 2022 right. and 2023. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess, fine. <laughs> you know, it's like Osprey has become the logical conclusion of that concept. I mean, I can't. I can't argue with it. When this, you take this, Meltzer, go ahead. This was his first Flair Thez. And right. Flair Thez, I don't really think even, I'm not sure how much this matters anymore. Um, But yeah, this his first Flair Thez. Right. But yeah, three uh, three most outstandings in the last five years for Osprey. Well, and it's, it becomes absolutely insanely confusing now because you, he used to like keep the, MMA and wrestling separate, but then he let it be kind of mixed, but then there are still separate categories, right? So that then becomes very confusing, you know? So I don't... Yeah. I mean, the Flair Thez, again, who knows? But then when you have box office draw going to Roman, it's kind of like, okay, like, how? Like, really? I mean, I just it feels like if he's... If, if we all can accept that he's kind of disqualified from Flair Thez, then how is he able to win box office draw you know what i mean like i i just yeah I don't know. and then for osprey i'm just trying to think i'm like i don't well again like i'm not sure who i'd even argue against him and not that i even care enough to argue against him for this but it's like he last year he wasn't on top in the company so i'm just kind of conf- i'm pretty confused by this but you know whatever yeah i mean yeah, I can't I can't really imagine who who you put above him, I guess. Was, right, so it would be like the problem Osprey, would be MJF. What, right? what, was, what was Osprey's dome match last year? Uh Omega. Omega, okay, it's like the two Omega matches, but those are for the US slash global global title. Right. So the argument is like that Osprey elevated that title to the level of being like the top championship, right? Would that be the argument? Kind of, I guess that would, yeah, that would be the argument, right? And and you do have a year where the world, the IWGP champion is very weak. And it's like the other argument would be Roman, who, like I said, feels disqualified just from, from lack of, like, you know, you just don't have, there's no meat on the bone there for the Roman argument. He just does not have enough matches. He's not on TV enough. It's hard to even really consider him for anything. And yeah. then you've got MJF, who's just so incredibly tainted. And then also, I mean, you could also mix in like just not there, injuries, all of the other stuff that like sidelines like MJF. I think MJF, this is this is very much his award to win. If the last four months, five months weren't the way that they were, right? Yeah, and that's it, the it, toughest it, it, part because that's when very much his award to win, right? It was it was his award, and then it dropped off in those last four months, and that's people are voting off of that time frame. Now, here's I think the dark horse and the logical argument. If you really, but you you know you're not like actually trying to, you know, no one's really campaigning or arguing this stuff. But if you are willing to make the argument that Osprey elevated that title to the where it's the top title, and thusly he deserves. He, you know, is eligible for the Flair Thez thing and should win. I could, I could argue you could make the same kind of point and say that Gunther should have won, because I do think that you have probably more consistent and like, and the same level of height. Like, you know, what I mean, you have more consistency, more matches, like larger body, more 
drawing, you know, just across the board, you know, more and more shows. He's he's like touring. He's doing a lot of this. And also you have like really the same highs when it comes to like the highest highs and the peaks for Osprey. I think you could argue if you're, you know, if you're willing to, you could argue that Gunther is like comparable in all of those ways and edges him out by actually drawing, you know, if you want to give him credit for drawing on house shows where he's main eventing with the Intercontinental title, you could actually probably make a case that if you're going to, if you're going to give it to Osprey, that you could give it to Gunther. Right. But again, I'm, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't have taken the time to make that argument, but I just, I can see that logic. I, I thought, I thought you were going to say Orange Cassidy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that yeah. too. Yeah, I thought you were going to argue Orange Cassidy because I do. I also put a lot of stock into the fact that Orange and Moxley was able to be a viable main event for All Out in the midst of everything that was going on, and that it was viewed as a viable main event. And you can and it okay. You you can do whatever. Probably a lot of people probably give Moxley most of the credit for that, but Orange Cassidy is proven to be pretty good in terms of drawing power rating stuff like that so i thought you were gonna i thought you were gonna say orange cassidy but gunther makes more sense yeah yeah and 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 i can definitely see the orange cassidy thing as well because that match was specifically presented as the main event at in a counter right as being the counter to the mjf thing okay you don't love you know the mjf adam cole stuff here is the main event for for you, right? And it's right. the next week and all of that. So I could definitely see how it's like it, it was even specifically in the company presented as the 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 counter main event, the counter, mm-hmm. you know, champion kind of guy. So yeah, I can definitely see that um in a lot of ways. Do you, so, do you anyways? Do you, <laughs> go ahead. Do you, do you know how many votes have any Nakajima uh, Nakajima got? No, no, it was, uh, you know, it was on the, you know, that stuff was on the list, but I just really did not. Uh, did I, not I, I, I was just end. curious. because like, I wonder if there was like any sort of like push for him at all, but it looked, but, uh, but it looked like Osprey ran, ran, ran away with the award. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I, I, this was not planned for us to talk about this. <laughs> so obviously I did not pull up the information cause there was a, yeah, there was, you know, obviously, it was it was it was online, but I was not looking it up um, because, as I said, we were not planned. This was not a uh, planned segment. It just kind of happened. I don't even understand why uh, we started talking about this, but we did. Um, but there are uh, people that just really think that Osprey has been like the undisputed best wrestler in the world for the last five years. Like it's just like yes. not even a question in their mind, right? And and there's well, go ahead. No, it's just it's just funny to me. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a funny thing that these people just probably think, oh yeah, last five years belong to Osprey, no doubt. No, right. like, no, no one else. Even though John Moxley's been there this whole time, even though there's there's Brian Danielson, even though there's various levels of importance, Randy Kingston, just Osprey. Last five years, clearly Osprey. Don't talk to me unless it's will Osprey. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. All right, so what I could find, the closest thing, the only votes that I could see tallied for Nakajima in any way are are Miyahara and Nakajima feud, and they only got 98 votes for that being the feud of the year in third place. So I doubt that Nakajima really got a sizable amount of votes for, what, what was first place? for like a flare this. Uh For feud of the year, they went Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Bloodline, um, which Oof. doesn't make 
any all fucking right. sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. all right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Um, even the second place, I don't necessarily even know if I agree with it. I get it, but they Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. Um, I could see Adam, it. Adam, I guess Page, Page and Moxley is better, but yeah, 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 for sure. And that was the fifth place, so you know whatever. Um, right. Yeah. Um, but you know the most important Observer Award, and you guys were talking about this uh, on the stream last night. You and Tanner on Twitch. Um, yeah, obviously the most important Observer Award of the year, and the one that we're going to talk about here is Blackest Wrestler of the Year. Quentin, who oh, yes. uh, who do you have for <laughs> Blackest Wrestler of the Year? Ah, uh, <laughs> so good. Man, it's tough. It's tough, right? When when someone's song involves the chanting of whoop that trick it's hard it's hard to not go with trick williams right it's, yeah it's, i mean it's hard it's hard yeah bombay is for the people though i mean you know i mean that it's hard true. to true. yeah true. alex kane really represents for the culture he wears the pan-african colors i mean um but <laughs> yeah on the counter i brought it up as a joke but on the counter to that like the positive did, did you see that from alex kane he posted um that he's a, a rec one of the few recognized black world heavyweight champions I did um, officially that. recognized by Peter. And that's pretty cool. You know, I did see that. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I was kidding. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a plus. Super talented. So I was, I was happy to see that. Yeah, not sure, guy not, who really not, not sure where that puts them in the pantheon of the best black wrestlers of all time. I'm not sure where uh good helmet would rank him, but you know, <laughs> Okay, good helmet was pretty good in that in that oh if, in that post if we're being on ah no one was good Every, no one came out of that one clean yeah, no no no, sure. one, no one no one no one was good there yeah uh, uh, other than other than other Bix. than Bix maybe <laughs> yeah I guess it was Bix I really fucking hate to say it but Bix was the only one who like legitimately just said it's Aja Kong and that was it and did not get involved in any of the no other but race but, then, but then LP had said um. If, does she count or something like that? And Bix was like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, that's a that was the correct response. So we'll uh, we'll say uh, yeah. Um. All right. So the news that I meant to talk about it's it's part of the namesake of the week. Um, if you don't mind moving on from all of this. Um. Uh, oh, the stream was good. I was in there. You saw me mixing it up in the chat. I made a. I hit a couple of majorly uh, inappropriate jokes. Um, so if sorry. anyone you know, probably missed those, probably anyone who wasn't in the in the live stream is not going to get those. But uh, you know, just did you get a chance to listen to the psychology of that episode yet? I of course I did. I listened to that the second it went up. I really, really, I didn't know if you listened to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I uh, you know I really did. I thought that was great. Um, it got me. Yeah, I got the juices flowing thinking about a lot of great wrestling there. Um, that, uh, you know, <laughs> again, a lot of just a great wrestling, the history, obviously a, a, the ton of the history stuff and all that we've talked about over the years. And I agree with, um, especially like <laughs> the economic side of things and all that. So, but yeah, so before, I guess, before we get into news, I wanted to just plug that stuff. People check it out. I saw, um, getting plugged that you're going to be doing another stream there with Tanner next week. So people should um, definitely check that out. Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see because okay. I'm not sure how well Tanner's setup can handle trying to be able yeah. to like us like watch rings 
and also be on Discord at the same time. Uh, okay. I wasn't sure. Okay. I thought that he was saying that, but he was just saying he's going to do a ring stream, but not necessarily if you're going to be there. I think that was okay. the plan, but it's oh, like, well, yeah, it, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But well, either way, either way, know, I'll, I'll be, I'll yeah. be there at some point and just watch the streams. The streams are fun yeah. that Tanner has been doing and all that stuff. I wish I remembered the name of his Twitch channel. Uh, Tanner one four. Is it Tanner one four? Yeah, Tanner one four. Yeah, yeah, follow, yeah, follow, yeah. If you're not, if you're not follow Tanner's Twitch channel where we like, there's a bunch of stream, there's streaming going on of various stuff. You might get something like us going through random PWO threads and shit like that, or whatever else. But you can go ahead and do that. On the topic of psychology, is that it was funny that after this went out, I've said it before. This is the most historical research of Dread yes. for Psychology of that episode in. There are things that I learned afterwards that I really wish I would have mentioned on the podcast. Not sure how much it would have made a difference, but figure, but learning who Rings' backer was or where. Oh, Rings yeah, yeah. Like I learned that it was ran by or, or supported by Wow Ow or W O W O W, which was basically sort of like the premium cable provider of japan i guess or premium cable subscription play channel japan so they were supported through that um i don't think i don't think i knew that uwfi was getting aired on tbs in uh to toronto sport in, in like toronto sports network and all that stuff i don't think i knew that yeah uh, but it was but it was funny because then that's making me go through cage match and trying to say, okay, well, how much of this stuff was TV shows? How many of these UWFI shows were TV shows? And only a few of them were listed as TV shows, and even less of them were listed as pay-per-views. So again, this goes back to my point about like about the TV thing, because I'm like, okay, it seems like UWFI was super successful domestically, obviously, but as far as broadcasting it, they were more focused on broadcasting it across to America, it seemed like. And I still haven't been able to find anything about like UWFI's specific TV deal and broadcasting in Japan, but I can find all this stuff about TBS and ratings they did at TBS and pay-per-view buy rates and stuff like that. But yeah. I haven't been able to find anything about specifically the Japan domestic side of things and i also learned stuff like i didn't know how heavy ufc was at that point already was with uh exporting their 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 tapes to uh to japan i I didn't know how heavy that apparently was by that point but yeah uwfi's stuff with the united states was new information for me but i still have questions on if they were on tv in japan or if they were just a pay-per-view thing yeah, they um I'm not I'm not sure about the you know obviously the Japan side of things, but um yeah, there was when you mentioned the UWFI on TBS, there was like a I remember like UWF, the Bill Watts promotion and UWFI were like almost in some ways presented as being like re, you know in related to each other and they were on the on TBS and stuff. So there was that as well. So yeah, I did remember that, but uh, 
yeah, I don't know about the pay-per-view and all that. Um, anyways, um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Uh, really interesting to hear you and Ethan, right? That's uh, yeah, Ethan, Pillars yeah. of Hell. Yeah, you guys chatting everything over. Um, we again, that was the <laughs> that was the talk about with the news stuff. Um, we mentioned it um the last episode, maybe episode before. Um, I mentioned Ganbare Pro saying that they're going. Is it Ganbare Ganbare? I've heard it pronounced. Um, I, I, I say Ganbare, but. Gampari, right? Um, they were going private or going independent, um, ownership wise, but it was announced that that was not going to affect uh their streaming on Wrestling Universe. And with that, Wrestling Universe also announced um expanding the promotions that are going to be streaming on the on the wrestling universe or you know, promotions you'll have access to. Who knows about live and all that stuff now to include Sendai Girls, Michinoku Pro and Real Zero One, which is uh, an offshoot of Zero One. Or if it's supposed to be its own promotion, it's uh, it's a bit unclear. But uh, so kind of talked about Wrestling Universe dropping the idea of Wrestling Universe dropping Gambari Pro Um Adding in the possibility of adding in a Rossi produced show to the cyber agent, you know, uh, thing. And then the idea of like, what are they doing with having so many promotions this and that? But it looks like they're not they're not looking to cut back. They're looking to actually increase their market share of promotions that are on Wrestling Universe. Um, I think it's a good thing. I like Wrestling Universe being more and more like IWTV for Japan. Right. Yeah. And just having a ton of promotions, especially at the price point. It's uh, incredibly affordable and it makes sense. Consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. And we need less streaming services, not more, right? So yeah, that was to me that's a plus. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. Oh yeah, I think it, I think it's I think it's very much a plus. I feel like sometimes we forget that these are these are indie promotions. So it's best to sit there and do something like that than expect to be able to expand and do your and do your own streaming service and expect the same eyes or level of attention or success or things like that because I was someone that would tune in for bizarre shows and I'm sorry I'm not dropping money to subscribe to bizarre to bizarre's shitty streaming services so, so I'm, I'm just not I'm just not doing it so wrestle wrestle universe is a really good app like the mobile app is good I like the website I like everything. I like everything about the layout. The only thing that would, would be better is, I think, the search function. But other than that, I like Wrestle Universe as a streaming service. And the additions here are good. I think mostly the one for me is Sendai Girls, because Sendai Girls is a very, very good promotion. You know, it's not something like Michinoku Pro, where I think where it's like sort of like a husk of itself or whatever, and it's just kind of there and exist and only only people that watch it is fucking Corvo or something. Sendai Girls is a legit, very good promotion that is just in terms of shows being broadcasted and put out are just months and months and months behind. So for Sendai Girls to hopefully be better with that in terms of show turnaround, resources, maybe shows being streamed live, all that stuff, 
that's the most exciting thing for me because Sendai Girls is one of the better promotions in the world. And it speaks to another bigger, maybe a bigger picture thing when you talk about Sendai Girls because of kind of historical owner, operator, the connections for Sendai Girls with, um, oh my God, I cannot believe my brain just did this to me. Um, why can I not think of her name? Um, oh God. Uh, Satamora, right? Mako yeah, Satamura. Yeah, Mako Satamura and her history and connection with Sendai Girls and the idea that she's part of WWE and she's so linked with them in in expanding into Japan. Um, the idea that Sendai Girls and whatever that means, whatever this means, is now getting in bed with Cyber Agent and being part of Wrestling Universe, to me, really feels like it speaks to the idea that the global expansion thing kind of died with Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of the global expansion stuff felt like it was a, it was, it was triple H trying to keep himself busy waiting for Vince to leave so he could be in charge of the big show. And now that he is in charge of the big show, not Paul white, um, that like, he doesn't need to worry about this stuff anymore. And he can focus on actually running a wrestling show and not pretending to run a wrestling show. Yeah. If so, that so, makes so, sense. So yeah. So you're of the belief that triple H was just doing that shit to kind of, Prove his worth, I guess. Prove like, right. hey, I'm, I'm doing something. Look at what I'm doing. You see me expanding our business or whatever. That maybe yeah. do you think? Do you think? Do you think that was ever? Do you think that was ever? Like, do you think that was ever actually like a real goal for him? Really, like the the expansion for him shit? personally? No, no, yeah, no. I don't think he cared about it. Yeah, I think he was just keeping busy. And I don't think, and that's why it's, the the difference is now. It's like you know, Triple H or HBK doesn't care. HBK isn't trying to do all that. So he's oh, not oh, going to. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's looking for like the most attractive fucking fitness trainer, volleyball player he can find. Oh, God damn it. You, Quentin, we can't even. I don't even want to get into this Maxine Dupree discourse, but now it feels like we're, you're leading into it. Um, oh. <laughs> or, or instead of that, we can talk about if, uh, you know, I guess who, if uh, Kenta or Marafuji was better than uh, HBK in 2000 or 1990, 1996. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we can talk about Rhea Ripley's yeah. ass, apparently. I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. These are the important a bunch things of different ways about. we can go here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I don't think, yeah, HBK is, HBK has a much more, much other important things, I will say. He has uh, things that he finds more important in mind yeah, than just like, keeping himself busy than Triple H does. Because um, yeah, I think 100% it was just about Triple H trying to keep himself busy, trying to look like he's doing something. Now it's, I mean... Now it's like, what do you even fucking do with uh, with NXT? I, I I don't know. I guess it can be like just its own thing. It's like a mix. It's still kind of uh, developmental, but it's also not when you've got like the Good Brothers there and they're sending Tamatanga there. Like, but, is but, this? But, a... but, but, but don't they have like? There's a, there's a different one. There's NXT. Then there's NXT Level Up, right? Yeah, there's Level Up, and that's like the real like that's these the real are those right? are the. Yeah, and that's only on the internet, right? And then they've okay. got now they're gonna have uh like the X, the high speed title on X. They're having like uh WWE like speed, I think is or something it's called. Um so yeah, they've got all these obviously imprints and sub brands, but they don't uh but the idea, I mean obviously, <laughs> I think it is pretty obvious that like with the Good Brothers going down to NXT and then Tomatonga getting announced that he's going, like that's what Tomatonga's doing. He's going to be doing a bullet club thing with them, right? Like 
pretty, yeah, pretty sure. clear now. Like the people who think that Tamatanga is going to join the the bloodline are are pretty out to lunch at this point. Um, but yeah, the uh, that's uh, Jesus. All of this stuff, it's ridiculous. But yes, wrestling universe expanding. I'm excited for that. Um, is there any other news stuff you want to want to hit on? News? Uh, Anything? Shit. I mean, I guess announcements. There is the the Dean announcements. Forgot to mention that. Yeah, um, yeah, Mockabay Thatcher getting announced. I, I love Mockabay Dan Thatcher. just deciding that April is his month. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big uh big month for him. Oh, that was the other thing. But uh, yeah, let's let's uh let's talk about this. Uh, obviously. We're not being paid. We're not uh, sponsors. We're not supported by Action Wrestling. We're just fans. Uh, we have had get. We have had Matt on the show in the past, but uh, yeah, Makabe Thatcher gets announced. Um, they officially announced Adam Priest versus Slim J. Uh, oh, action yeah. also. They also announced not on the Dean show, but on another action show, Adam Priest versus QT Marshall, which is exciting. Um, they announced Tom Lawler on Dean. They announced Manders on Dean. They announced Austin Luke and Marcus Mathers. For a second, I thought it was a singles match. Eventually realized it's a, they're a tag team. Um, they announced Warhorse, and then people were kind of starting to be like, what's going on? This show was looking so good. You're announcing a lot of stuff that just feels like whatever or bad. <laughs> and then I feel like they saved it by announcing that that aforementioned Austin Luke Marcus Mather's team was taking off Sinner and Saint, who are fresh off an incredibly hot match that uh, we'll talk about here in a moment. And then the big news that was announced just a couple hours before on a video, before we started recording on a video, was Gringo Loco making his uh, challenge, announcing his match based on his history. Um he's calls out Dr. Cerebro um, who have like a, I mentioned like a crazy history with each other, having tons of wild bloody brawls with each other in IW, ah, IWRG in the past. Um, recently I talked about how I don't, didn't love the Moxley Gringo Loco kind of brawl or whatever. Um, but if they can recapture some of the history that these guys have had in the past with each other, if they can bring some of that back here, um, that'll be very exciting. But yeah, Quentin, do you have any thoughts on kind of where we were at with the recent announcements on this show that's looking to me like it's shaping up to be the show of the weekend? Yeah, I was very con- I was very concerned after the War Horse announcement. I was deeply confused by that. But getting the center and saint on there for a tag match, I thought was a was a really was a really great addition. Obviously, go go without saying for stuff like Thatcher, Thatcher, Makabe, and Priest versus Slim J. That those could be fucking amazing too. But I'm glad to see Center and Saint and Gringo Loco. If if I have to deal with a Gringo Loco match, I am glad it involves Doctor Cerebro. There's so many other non-appealing things that Gringo Loco could be a part of, and if you're gonna revisit the best stuff he probably has ever done in his whole career, then I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. And the idea that they specifically, you know, put this together because, you know, this is what they wanted. They want to capture 
that magic. You know, they're asking them, you know, can they do it? That's another question. But the idea that that's what they're they're asking for. Right. So you're not getting just, hey, you know, we want Gringo Loco because we like watching the world on Lucha. Right. We're not getting, you know, they're not asking for the base God. They're like, no, we want. IW, IW, I can never fucking say the name of that promotion. IWRG, Lucha Brawl, Wild Chaotic Craziness. This is what we want, right? Can he deliver? We'll see. Hopefully. Um, I'm not uh, holding my breath, <laughs> if I'm being honest, because I think it's crazy when people talk about Gringo Loco still being good because I watch him and, like, he just, he's so fucking stiff and he looks... Like for being, you know, the base god or whatever, and he can hit some spots here and there. Like he just looks incredibly uh, stiff and immobile at times to me to where I'm just like, he's there. But, you know, he 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 walks like fucking, you know, 2000s Hulk Hogan sometimes where I'm just like the guy does not look like he's a uh, super dynamic, but we'll see. Maybe he can pull it off. Um, either way. Um, oh, God, there was a there was another thing that had popped in my head as something to talk about before we moved on, like news news announcements wise and stuff. But uh you know what it's probably not that important, right? Um wanna talk about let's talk about some wrestling, right? Let's talk about some matches that we've seen that were worthwhile. I mentioned um the Sinner and Saint. That feels like maybe not the you know the number one most important thing to talk about, but maybe the how do I put it? The biggest thing in our circle and kind of like the thing that I think needs to get amplified the most. Does that make sense? The thing that yeah. the people who are listening to us need to hear about so that they'll check it out because they'll appreciate it as much as we like it. That sounds about um, right. Yeah. The um, prestige tag team title match on the prestige show that happened just on Sunday uh, moment of violence. We got Sinner and Saint, long time. I mean, we're a fan of both of these guys. They have not been a long time tag team, uh, taking on the West Coast Wrecking Crew, another uh, team that we've kind of supported, at least I have, on this. You know, I think you've been pretty high on them comparatively. Yeah, not, 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 not as high as you, but yeah. Sure. Uh, and they just captured like lightning in a bottle and delivered just a phenomenal match. Uh, I saw Joseph go four stars on this. I would not be too far off. I think that this was a really, really unique special encounter between the two teams. But uh, yeah, Quentin, you're the one I I don't know. Like, what did you think about this one? Oh, I loved it. I want four stars on it. I I loved the psychology around this match and the ideas and the way they approach things. I loved how dominant West Coast Wrecking Crew were as a babyface team and how much... Icky and Travis needed to use legitimate strategy and not just heal bullshit or chicanery or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they needed to use real legitimate strategy. Like, Hey, we're smaller and we can pick up the pace and we can do that. Let's turn up the energy, which is not something that historically, that's not what the, that's not what the heel tag team does. That's not something that, you usually get from the heel side of the heel side of a match. So I love the real opposing sort of like strategic forces that I think were at play during this match. And everything just looks really fucking great too. This is 
a really great Royce Isaacs performance. He looks fucking huge now. He's just a tank at this point. And it really shows when, you're, when he's facing guys as small as Travis and Icky. And all the big power spots look super impressive and everything. And I just love the way that Icky and Travis work with each other on offense and work each other into their signature spots. And it everything about this came across really, really, really well. I love this. And I I don't know how feasible it is for this to be a real long-term continuing feud or series of matches anywhere. But this should be but this should not be the only time these two teams yes. wrestle each other this year. These two teams need to wrestle each other one more time, two more times, however many. This was a real like oh, I think that these two teams, I think that these teams just found their perfect opponent type of thing. And this is, yes. This should get explored, whether it's in Prestige, whether it's in West Coast Pro, whether you got Royce and uh, Royce and Jarrell over to, over to, over to Canada for the, uh, or, or something. Maybe if you even ran us in Defy. I don't know, but this should be ran a, a few more times this year. It's really that kind of it's, it's almost like when you when you would find that really good pairing back and beyond in their good in their good in their good years. You're like, oh, I didn't know that these two would work that well together. That kind of caught that kind of catches you off guard, and you wanted to see more of it. That uh, that's how I felt here. Where I was like, oh, that I would have never thought about that, but this was really perfect. And they these two teams should feud for the entire year. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree with you on that. This cannot be the only time. This is, I mean, in a, you know, in a world where we don't have a ton of great tag team matches, like this is, I'm not saying it's going to be the number one, but this should be probably on your list if you, at the end of the year, when we're doing like top 10 tag team matches of the year, I would not be shocked to see this making it on people's lists unless they just blow it out of the water on subsequent rematches, which I think that they should have. Um, Agree with everything you said there. The psychology is the key to this, and it's not just the psychology. You can say that, you can, you know, you know, whatever, make that make sense, believe whatever you want to believe about what it means, all this and that. But it's also a unique situation, as you talked about. You've got dominant, powerful, imposing, they've got the size, everything on their side, baby faces, they're in their home turf, all of that taking on undersized unknown little guy heels who, as you said, not only just cheat, but also figure out tactics. They use heel tactics. They don't just do underhanded stuff. Like you talked about it. I mean, being able to pick up the pace when they need to, being able to misdirect and not even just misdirect, but also being able to, to shift on a dime. So like there's a couple spots where they set up, like they set up a, 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 a dive train or a double team sequence and one of the rest coast wrecking crew guys bail or they or they move around and Judas and Travis are able to shift their direction on a dime in a moment make that switch and go the other way in a way that's like doesn't come across like oh it's so impressive you know it just comes across like oh these motherfuckers like they just they're they're always taking shortcuts they're always you know being able to respond in the right way you talked about Royce i mean Jarrell, I I hate to say it, but I feel like Jarrell 
becomes an afterthought here and kind of does in a lot of ways. I think it's pretty easy to overlook that it was important that he was able to sell um, believably while still being big and dominant, um, making, I mean, a big part of what I loved about this match was how much effort it took for Sinner and Saint to get any control. They yeah. didn't ever just like have one heel tactic or one cheap shot or one, you know, double team or one, whatever. It, like it, 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 it had to be a whole flurry of offense. It wasn't just yeah. one big spot. It had to come in a chain of offense for them to get any momentum. Yeah. It took them forever to get any control and any momentum. And that was a big, that was a big thing for Jarrell because Jarrell was the selling baby face. Jarrell was the face in peril. The one who was taking a lot of the heat. So he was the one who was making them earn their comebacks and making them earn their shine. Like he was not just, you know, letting them take whatever they wanted when they wanted to. So, like I said, it's pretty easy to overlook that on his team because Royce, as you said, was a phenomenal performance when he was in there, when he was doing his spots, his size, his power. My, I mean, my biggest issue with his power is like, I wanted him. I mean, he looked like he could. He was working safe. I appreciate that. But there's times where I'm like, I want to see you throw these guys to the fucking ceiling. You know, yeah, I mean, I want to see some Steiner brothers. You, 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 you want you want him to like Chris Dickinson it up a little bit. A little. I want him to be a little bit more reckless. You know, I want him th throwing these motherfuckers around. And he did the same thing you know, with like, this, like Los like, Lavacitos. You know, that's my first time saying his name in years. But yeah, like how good would have something like Center and Saint versus like Dickinson and Jocko would have been? I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, what, was it? what were they called? The Death Squad, something Death Squad. Anyways, um, yeah, yeah the uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. Just those guys just getting just absolutely fucking wrecked, you know. And and Royce again, he's just a little bit. Sometimes I just wish he'd be a little bit fucking wilder. But what you get out of him that you'll never get out of those guys, even with Dickinson trying to do his you know adult karate classes, um, is something that I really really enjoyed on this in this match was Royce. He throws him over for the German suplex, keeps the waist control for the bridge on the pin kick out, smooth as silk, like fucking buttery, nice transition from the waist lock into the calf slicer. That's like the kind of thing that you get from a guy who actually, you know, has some mat skills, some mat training. That was like, that was my big spot of the match. That was what really popped me because he was just phenomenal the way that he transitioned from that waist lock over into the calf slicer. I just thought that, that was like, again, it comes across like someone who actually knows what they're doing. Um, and that was like just a small detail, but it was the thing that stood out to me from Royce there as a guy who's really good on the mat too, which you don't get from a guy who looks like a freak like that, who can throw these insane power moves and then can also grapple with the best of them. I mean, you know, he's really kind of a triple threat kind of guy. I mean, fuck quadruple threat because I forget that like Royce is also a sick ass promo. Like, He's cut a few promos recently that are really good. So it's like a guy who just really does not get the attention that he deserves. Um, this team is great. Hopefully West Coast Wrecking Crew can get out there more and more because I know as I'm praising how much I like Royce, I know that like, fuck, I probably shouldn't even say it. Like, I know he's gotten offers that he's turned down recently because he wants to stick with the team. And like knowing that just makes me hope and pray more that the team gets over because he deserves, you know, he deserves the spots. He deserves the bigger stuff. Like, and this was an example of like why he should get it. Sinner and Saint, as I talked about. Sinner and Saint is like for us, us types, the people who are into this stuff, we know how great they are. 
more and more people are going to be paying attention to them. They're going to have the big match on WrestleMania weekend. They're probably going to have multiple big matches on WrestleMania weekend, right? So, like, yeah, this was, again, this was fantastic. Hopefully, it gets repeated somewhere down the line. Um, it's not that crazy when you think about it. It's, you know, South Canada and South California. We're on the West Coast. But it's like, it's like a team that's from Maine and a team that's from Florida, right? Which... Doesn't sound that insane, but it's not a match that's going to happen every weekend, you know. Yeah, but yeah, hopefully yeah, it can no, like, but, there, but there's places that can happen. Like it happened here, at Prestige. It can, it, I guess it can happen in Defy. Like there's nothing really stopping it from happening. Happening at West Coast Pro. So there, there, there's at, there's places where they can do it. Yeah, as I said, I mean NEW has already booked Royce. So oh yeah, any, any NEW, NEW yeah of course NEW yeah. NEW is there as well. You can do it. You can do NEW. So yeah, there's there's no reason as to why. That once this match hopefully gets more exposure and more buzz, that it doesn't get booked in more places. This is this should be a match that gets booked multiple times. Yeah. Did you watch anything on this, else on the show? I was gonna say on this show, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about other than the main event. Um Sonico and Kushida was pretty good. It's my first time watching Kushida in a while. And Kushida looked just as good as ever, to be honest. For the level of opponent that he's in there with, no disrespect to Sonico, it was about it was a pretty good Kushida performance. I thought it was a solid match. Uh Jordan Cruz and Gregory Sharp is a squash, but yes. Jordan Cruz is really good at this. Yeah. And I'm gonna be interested to see if he becomes a guy that gets hyped up and signed in the near future, like in the next year or so. Cause I can yeah. I, I can see that happening. Yeah, um, I've been I've been talking a little bit about Cruz here and there. You've heard me mention him and stuff like that. And I just he I think he's incredibly talented. He he reminds me of a lot of different guys, but like you could think of him as like kind of like a neat like the new Anthony Nice. You know what I mean? Like because he's just so jacked up. He's pretty good and he's got like great character work for an indie guy. Um, and yeah, this match was this match was quick and there wasn't much to it. But I'm happy you brought it up because I would have just skipped over it. But I did really appreciate it for what it was. Uh, Alan Angels versus Chris Saban is it's cool. It's a fine sort of if you want to like call it a match like do like, X Division match, but really it's like my Speedball and Mustafa Ali is a X Division match as well. But that was it. Was, it was fine. You got some decent arm work there, I guess. Some ver- some very straightforward storytelling. Uh, Alan Angels in the time he left AEW, just. I think he's talented, but nothing has really hit me in a oh yeah, this guy was like really good and underutilized way. I have I have not gotten that from any of the Alan Angel stuff I've it's, watched since he's left. It's crazy because it's like pre-AEW Alan Angels had me more thinking that he was being underutilized in AEW than post-AEW Alan Angels does, if that makes sense. Yes. Remembering how good he was before he signed and thinking, why didn't they use this guy was like more how I felt. But then now that he's come out, I'm like, I'm just not like, where, what happened to that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was fine. Uh, Mustafa Ali versus Mike Bailey. Really good. Loved it. I thought that Ali and Bailey, they could have just went up there and had the typical big indie, Spot fest match that that you know that they would be like very good at doing, but they added in some dueling arm work and both sold it really. And both sold it pretty well throughout the duration of the match. And 
I'm still enjoying Ali's post WWE work. I know I've seen some people that weren't as into it, and I'm kind of confused by that. I feel like his in ring work looks just as crisp as ever. Now, has he reached the like super big heights that maybe he was reaching before coming over to WWE yet? I don't think he's reached those super big heights, but I don't think I've watched any of these matches and thought that he couldn't reach those heights as if that's just out of reach. So he's still been very good. In my opinion, I like this match. I'm not sure. I think it's, I don't think it's better than the Egley Blanc match. And it's not more impressive performance-wise than the Von Vertigo match. But this was really good for the indie big athletic guy. We're going to like have a lot of like cool spots and all whatever because they threw some more stuff in there to give it some more it give give some more meat to it. But I like I like the match. I thought that this was perfect for the setting. Um yeah. I guess my the only argument you could have with it would be it is the main event on a show that had something like that tag team match earlier on in the show, right? So that could be like maybe your only kind of argument to say like it's not quite perfect. Um but the crowd was so hot for these two before they even got in the ring, right? And I mean the kind of the stupidest thing you can do when it really comes to like wrestling and being a worker, not just being a wrestler is to like have a crowd that that's hot and then go out there and like basically just try to compete with them by like doing a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Like the crowd is already so hot. Don't go out there and like, just like try to like, you know, make them like focus on you doing stuff. Right. Just like let them be hot and, and take it easy. And like, just continue and not necessarily even like kill it. I'm not saying like, Oh, bring it down kill it or whatever but like you're not going to compete with how fucking buzzed and happy this crowd is they're insanely hot so give them enough but don't go overkill so i thought that was really smart from the beginning and then again like this is this is part of the feathering the nest this is you know building this case for ali for this year of being like a guy who not only left wwe you know on his own not only you know did the Joker fucking Twitter pick where he's burning piles of cash or whatever. God, that shit was so cheesy. But like that shit is only really cheesy when you then leave the, you know, WWE and you don't do shit or, or even worse when you do stuff like that. And then you resign with WWE. But when you leave WWE and then you come out and you do stuff like this and you start building this case where you show that like you were underutilized, you are this phenomenal wrestler and not just by doing a bunch of spots, but by doing stuff like this, where you're in there with Speedball, who, theoretically, he's going to have plenty of matches with. There's no reason, again, as I said, perfect match for this setting. This crowd was really hot. They're really excited. They want to see this. First time interaction between the two. Um, You don't need to give everything away. And the crowd is going to appreciate what you give them. And they didn't just, like, take it easy, though. They didn't just go, like, oh, you know, it's a night off. This is a house show, blah, blah, blah. No, they, they gave you something more substantial to sink your teeth into with the limb work, which I thought was phenomenal. The selling and the narrative and the way that they did that story, I thought was great. So yeah, this is like a huge case maker. It's incredibly smart for the position that they're in. As I said, these guys are going to have a chance to have the knockout, drag out, big time, epic, you know, let's pull, bust out everything we can think of match. They don't need to do that here. Instead, you get this where the crowd 
is insanely hot from the second that they jump. They keep them engaged the whole way through. They give you something nice that you can actually sink your teeth into, and they don't just give you fucking, you know, sugary, sweet firework match. Um, yeah, I just thought that this was incredible. And again, it, it's part of building this case that goes, yeah, when Ali posts that dumbass picture of him as the Joker burning money, he's not just another one of these dorks who's doing that. He's actually still one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's just getting absolutely fucking wasted. And we're seeing it now. So, yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it was great. Um, it's, you know, it's not my match of the year. I'm not going to have it probably on my match of the year list or whatever. But it is like a big part of it's a match that will be a part of telling this story of Ali ending up probably in the conversation for wrestler of the year at the end of the year. If he continues this on because he's not backing down from being like just an incredibly talented thoughtful and um uh I, I guess that's it he's just a thoughtful and talented wrestler who's getting opportunities to really ply his craft out here um so yeah that's that's kind of my yeah, i'm, I'm, st I'm still I'm still i'm still waiting for the defy show that had uh eddie kingston versus Artie, vixen versus nicole and ali versus judas icarus to come out it's been it's been it's been a few weeks but I'm yeah. not sure if Defy's shows take longer to come out or something like that. So I still, I still want, I still want to see that. And they were, I do think we're gonna get Ali versus Hiromu on whatever Windy City show yeah, that yeah. New Japan that New Japan is doing. And I think it's funny to listen there. I saw people be like, Ali Hiromu, that's gonna be the test for Ali. It's like uh, <laughs> Ali is so much better than Hiromu. <laughs> What the fuck are we doing here? Like he's already twenty twenty four Hiromu yeah. was the test for Ali. Yeah. Twenty twenty four Hiromu Takahashi, that's the test for Ali. Absolutely not. Like, Absolutely the, not. Yeah. Like the fuck are we the fuck are we doing here, man? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, he already he he blows him out of the wall. That and I hate to fucking this is not. I mean, I guess whatever. We could transition to New Japan in this. If you're fine with that, I didn't really watch anything except for Riddle and Tanahashi, but you, we could talk about some New Japan stuff in general, and you could talk about if there's anything worthwhile from these recent New Beginning shows. But like, this is the thing that's getting me that's crazy is the people who are like, um, oh, I can't believe that they fucking they're not doing Hiromu versus Naito when they have a chance. And then now, now, even worse, they're taking away Desperado versus Naito for us, and, and it's going to be show. And I'm like first number one Hiromu versus Naito that's a match that anybody wants to see in 2024 like I get it because you I, wanted I, I, to see I, I it, take it I take it past? over Naito with, I take it over Naito and show and like just straight up Naito and Hiromu just is a bigger deal in every way than like Naito and show is but like am I clamoring sure. to see Naito and Hiromu no not 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 absolutely not, not. yeah my I get it for draw. I get it for like the history or whatever, because people have been like building it up in their head for years. But like at the point when we first thought we were going to see it, it would have been like good. It would have been a good match at this point. It's like, I, I wouldn't say the worst two wrestlers in the company, but it's not two of the best wrestlers in the company. I'll say that for sure. Like Naito is one wrong bump away from being a fucking tragedy case. You know what I mean? Like, we're just not, I don't know if everybody is completely like understanding this, but Naito is like held together on a wing and a prayer right now. So 
And then Hiromu just is like giving like really just kind of like lackluster performances on top of everything. So Okay, okay. Yeah, so I guess we'll get to this in a second when we get to the New Japan shows. But I do I I, I do I, I do sympathize with like the fact that it's fucking show, really show. But House of Torture is sure. a pushed act. Sure. And I get and I guess it even goes like bleeds into like like New Japan Cup a little bit. Because at first I'm thinking, oh well Zach should win this. Because maybe Zach should win the title. But you know, like realistically, that like we're like we're probably not gonna like go all the way there yet. And maybe it's like like maybe it's Zach versus Evil. I mean, I mean I mean Naito versus Evil. And Evil wins New Japan Cup, and you get to do Naito versus Evil in front of a crowd. And maybe so maybe we get some maybe we're getting this is gonna be some Naito versus House of Torture thing, really. But yeah. 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 <laughs> New Japan Cup. Um, one thing I did want to call out because I, I I tweeted it out. I was like, did they explain the buys this time at least? Right? Because in the past they did a terrible job. And shout out to a, a friend of the show. Um, at one point was supposed to be a guest, but things kind of fell through. John Carroll saying like, yeah, they actually did explain this this time. They said that the buys went to former winners, which at least you know makes sense. Um, the funny part about that is like that whole situation. I tweeted that all that, and then like the next day. I hear Dave Meltzer on the podcast just saying like, yeah, they gave buys for no reason and it doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you or I agreed with you until I like, you know, actually took two seconds to just tweet it out and I got the answer. Are you telling me Dave couldn't have gotten the information? Like just speaking to the whole Dave is washed. Like it took me like, you know, two minutes to tweet something and, and get the answer. Um, And Dave just didn't get any response at all. Whatever. Um, But yeah, this. This New Japan Cup looks uh, bad. It looks very bad. Um, I don't understand why TJP is going up to heavyweight, but we talked about that before. Um, I don't get why Jack Perry is in New Japan, really. Um, yeah, this they don't have a very uh, good uh, roster of good wrestlers at this point. They've got a lot of uh, wrestlers who are bad. They've also got a lot of like weird matchups in the first round where I guess they make sense when you think about the fact that like a single elimination tournament like this, you're not telling stories in the first round. You're telling more stories like in the later rounds. So you can't, you do stuff like a, a baby face versus baby face or a heel versus heel match in the first round, because you're just like trying to build to later matches that make more sense. But, uh, but yeah, this, uh, this looks bad. I don't like it. And uh, I did see, and I, I wish I could remember who, but I did see someone who made a good point where it was like, um, when you have a roster that's this uh, sucks this much, you could have just done a tournament with less people, and then you wouldn't have noticed how much uh, everyone in this sucks. Yeah, but you know? because you're so adamant on doing this 32 person tournament, yes, yeah, you show off like how how fucking shallow your roster is because you have to put um, Bolton Oleg. It for some reason is in the New Japan Cup. Isn't he on excursion? He... No, 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 no. He's not on excursion, I don't think. I thought he was. I thought he's uh Maybe. He's part know. of the, the tag team. Anyways. Um but yeah, if you have any other thoughts on New Japan Cup, feel free. And then if you want to move on to the new beginning stuff, also feel New free. Japan Cup, New Japan Cup was whatever. Um uh, maybe I guess we're getting ready for a David Finley uh 
evil final. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would fucking suck. Um, but in terms of the stuff I watched from New Beginning, I watched Mayu versus Mina Shirakawa from day one, and also Namath versus David Finley. Mayu versus Mina was very was good, I thought. They had to work to get the crowd into it, but they eventually got there. They had a they had a pretty good match. I don't know if you I don't know if you got around to watching Mayu versus Mina. I did check that out because I had heard it reported that it was the best match on the show. Yeah, um, yeah, and it is. was it was solid, but it was like, damn, this would be like if this is the best match the on third, the show. Then. <laughs> yeah, this would be like the third or fourth best match on a Stardom show, and it's the best match on this show. So that's uh, not good. And uh, I meant to eventually check out the Nemeth and and Finley match, but I just did not have the energy for it. And I I did see, like I said, uh, Riddle and Hiromu. So. I didn't watch the Riddle match, so you can like take that in a second. But I watched Nemeth and David Finley, and I haven't watched any of Nemeth's uh, TNA work. But watching Nemeth here, he was good. He was—I I would say he had a good performance. And David Finley sucks ass, and he—he's just not good as a heel to me. But. Nemeth's performance here, I thought, was pretty encouraging for his run, and at the very least, I don't, I don't think this match was good, but it made me want to see Nemeth versus better opponents. So, it made me at least want to give a shot to say, "Hmm, I want to see what Nemeth versus Jeff Cobb looks like," or I want to see what Nemeth versus Ishii Ishi could look like. Or I want to see what Nemeth versus Shingo could look like. So it at least gave me that. I was intrigued enough and impressed enough that it made me want to give him a chance and was like, hey, you know what? If he's in the G1, maybe he's good. So it wasn't a great match. I'm not telling anyone to go and recommend. I'm not recommending it. And I'm not even saying he had a great performance either. But it was an encouraging one and one that made me feel like Maybe, maybe I do want to see him get a chance to wrestle better guys because wrestling David Finley is definitely not the best barometer for how good of a wrestler you are. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's it's taken a lot for people to have great matches with David Finley, um, at least in the past like couple of years, um, and in the main event setting, not great, but. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Nemeth in general. I talked, you know, I talked about it recently. I think that he's a guy who I expect decent stuff from. Um, so yeah, I will go out of my way to check this out, even though I don't want to. Um, but, uh, I will go. I, I think, I think, I think at, at the very least you'll like him. That's yeah. like, that's the thing I can say about this match is you're not going to come away liking the match very much, but you're going to like him. And I guess that's the important thing. But yeah, I'm 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 sold. I'm willing, I'm willing to give him a chance. That match was okay. I'm willing, I'm willing to give you a chance. Yeah, and I um, I I saw. I wanted to check out the Trey Miguel match, but I never got to it. But I did check out like the because it was his first match on in Impact with Zach Wentz, which was decent. Um, you know, it's quick, but he was he was good there, and he looked like he looked like what I expected basically from him out of WWE, which is like like just slightly better slightly more like pro wrestling 
um, now that he's on in WWE, you know, and taking on someone who's like uh, able to kind of do their thing. Um, but yeah, I would I would definitely be interested to see what this is like. Um, I bet it's not that far off, if I'm being honest, because I would not say that Zachary Wentz is like, you know, way better than David Finley, just slightly. Um, Riddle and Tanahashi. Uh, this was fucking brutal, man. I mean, I just... You said you didn't see it, but I guess Tanahashi broke his ankle at one point in the match, they say. Um, he got, got pulled off the next night show. Um, on paper, and I was going to like tweet this out, but it just felt so weird even like talking positively at all about Riddle on, on Twitter. I guess I can do it here because I always feel more comfortable speaking than I do like in text or whatever. But like on paper, I can understand why you would think riddle would make sense for this title um especially like if you think about him similarly to zach but that just like completely forgets like number one that he's just completely he's just been brainwashed and he's a different wrestler because of wwe and he does in this match he does like so many fucking high spots so many fucking flips and just stuff that doesn't make any sense for this guy Whereas, like, this title has been set up to be the technical assassin killer championship with Zach that work. It's like the perfect way for this title to be used when you got the 15 minute time limit and all that stuff. Um, but that guy is just gone. <laughs> like, if you expected the old indie riddle who could do like good mat work classic type stuff, like, you're just not getting that guy anymore. So, like, that's why I could say, like, oh, I understand kind of why you would think this he would make sense here. Um, but you're just, that guy's gone. You're just not going to get that guy. Um, and instead, what you get is this, where it's like, I saw a lot of a lot of major hate on this match, and I don't necessarily see it um, because, like, it was fine. It was it was a match between two guys who don't know each other, obviously have put like very little effort into like having familiarity with their opponent. Probably have seen like none of their matches before. Don't speak the same language, and just like went out there and thought they were going to be able to wrestle and they do not, they were just not on the same page. Um, so that was like the only like issues, right? Other than that, it was like fine. It was just like sloppy in the way where it's like, these guys are just not on the same page. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I just, I'm just like this, this is a bad decision. Whoever I could see what you were thinking kind of like, okay, riddle, definitely. We're going to get this guy. That is not the guy who showed up, and that's not the guy who's going to ever show up because Matt Riddle well, is just a different guy now. Well, you remember that before Riddle had signed the WWE, New Japan was very, 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 very in on him and very high on him. So that yeah, for sure. So, so that's also a thing where maybe because he got away the first time, and they were gonna push him and were into him before that. This is just kind of them thinking, okay, well, there's the same guy from back then, so why not come in and push him, especially when we're yeah. in a space where we think we need to get another foreign top star to add to, to add to the mix as well. So, I mean, they'll, they'll see. Riddle, I, you're right that he's just a different wrestler now but by that point. If we're just talking about him as a wrestler, he's just a different wrestler than what he used to be. And you know we'll see we'll see as this goes on. It kind of sucks that he won the title here because I would have liked to see maybe what he would have looked like in a New Japan Cup instead of going straight to this. So we could have gotten a couple more matches to test it out 
and see how things would look for him. But you know, I thought that I thought this would happen, and we'll we'll see. But yeah, Riddle is. Yeah. I don't know. It, I, it 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 doesn't it doesn't it doesn't shock me, and no one should be shocked that Riddle's gonna c- coming in and getting pushed like this. At least when you factor in New Japan loved this guy before he signed the WWE, right? And I think you got to think that what they wanted was they were bringing him in to do Chosen Bros, so they were expecting him to wrestle like that, <laughs> like like Jeff Cobb, right? They were expecting that guy, and that's not how he wrestles. That's just really not the same kind of guy anymore. Um, so yeah, it's just. And we'll see. I mean, maybe this works, but this was like trying to do a WWE sports entertainment kind of match primarily. Um, and we'll see, like maybe that works on because the whole point of this title is all the matches are on YouTube. That's how I was able to watch just this match and American Western fans can watch it for free on the Internet. And like, may- Maybe it works. I don't know, but I doubt it. I, I really do. Um, so, like I said, Tanahashi gets pulled from the next night because he breaks his ankle in this match. This next night is kind of interesting, too, because it's got a lot of singles matches, um, yes. which you don't necessarily see a ton of. Um, I don't know if you have much to say. Like I said, I haven't watched any of it, but I do. There is one thing in here that kind of like stands out to me um, um, that maybe we can talk about. But, yeah, feel free to uh, give your thoughts on whatever you want to talk about. Haromo and Doki is good. In the two singles matches I've seen of, of Hiromu this year, they've been good matches. They've not been great, but they've been good matches. I thought the Destiny match at Wrestle Kingdom was good, and I think this Doki match is good. Now, I will say that because Hiromu lost here to Doki, I do think Hiromu is probably winning Best of Super Juniors, which yeah. is just not very interesting or whatever. But losing to Doki here in a singles in a singles match, I think that's making it kind of clear that Hiromu is probably going to win Best of Super Juniors this year. But this is this is a good match. And Hiromu well, is someone where my opinion on him really ebbs and flows. And I've been very, very low on Hiromu, and I've also been extremely high on Hiromu. So it just kind of depends on whatever stretch of matches he's on or he's having. But in this two goals matches this year that I've seen, they've been good matches. So I will, I will, I will give him that. That's what, that's what I wanted to say earlier when you were talking about um, Tama Haromu. Um, Shingo and Taichi is, is cool. It's good. It's it's fine. It's another. It's it's Shingo and Taichi. I don't need to see them wrestle each other ever again. I'm cool on this. They'll probably face each other in G1 or some shit, and it'll, it'll probably be better in the G1. But this was just blah. It's cool. It's it's whatever. I don't really have much to say about it. They're um, decent together, and I was going to ask because you were talking about thinking that like the booking here with with Doki getting the getting the win over Hiromu mattering in the big picture. Um, this that was the thing that I was going to say stands out to me. Do you think because you know kind of heard it mentioned I think on the Big Audio Nightmare like the idea that Tai Chi if you're gonna if you're at this point where your your roster is this thin why do you not present Tai Chi as a bigger important kind of thing? Do you think? That this win matters in the sense that, like, oh, Doki getting the win over Hiromu means Hiromu is going to win the best of the Super Juniors. Do you think that Taichi getting the win here means that they actually care and are going to do something with him this year? Because they should, right? Like it's he's. A... But but Good. does it not matter? Is this just a throwaway singles match that's only here to build up to the main event? Hmm. I think that's a good, I think that's a good question. Would 
would I be surprised to see something like Tai Chi get moved into having something with the Never Belt to do, or maybe being a challenger for the global title or something like that? I don't think I don't think that's impossible here. And I think that when you're beating someone like Shingo, who is a who is a who's a former she's a former champion and has done these things. That's a that's a credible, very, very credible, strong win to get on a show. So maybe that's a continuation of their particular program, but getting a win right here on this show, that could that that could mean that Tai Chi gets something. I'm not sure what the like what that is or when that would happen. You know, it's could could that mean Tai Chi uh, I, I don't I don't know with New Japan Cup coming I don't think it could maybe mean something for New Japan Cup I don't think it means something in that regard but I can see it for more like a secondary title thing but yeah yeah I, I think it should mean something it's he beat Shingo it should mean something it should mean something and as I was kind of saying there like their roster is so thin that Taichi should be probably in your upper upper half of the card right like Taichi should be a medium top guy at this point not just because not just because the roster is thin, but because the roster is thin and he's probably one of the better heavyweight workers that they have now. So, like, why not? Why not push him as something, you know? Um, Naito versus Sonata, a little a little worse than their Wrestle Kingdom match, but it's it's OK. It's fine. I think for me, I just prefer when Sonata is just not working the Dragon Sleeper and he returned to working the Dragon Sleeper in this match. And just just based off that alone, it's hard to give this match the same credit. But it's probably just a little bit worse than the Wrestle Kingdom match. Now, the reason why I left a certain match last is because it's the one I actually have the most to say. Yoda Suji and Yuya Uemura. This goes 28 minutes, hair versus hair match. My biggest problem with New Japan right now is they're putting these young guys against each other and they're supposed to have these rivalries. They're supposed to be bad blood, whatever, whether it's Shota Umino and Ren Narita, whether it's Yuji Yomura and Yoda Suji here. Like, where there's supposed to be this animosity or tension or hate or whatever. And Korokin, on one of the Road 2 shows, Shota jumps Ren Narita before the bell, drags him all over Korokin, does that, Match goes 33 minutes after that. 33 minutes after jumping someone before the bell in Currican Hall. Why did you go from a heated brawl and going all over the place and brawling in the crowd to a 33-minute match? Why? That's what we call it breaks down into a wrestling match. Like right? the, the wild, chaotic brawl that breaks down into a wrestling match. Like, it never makes fu- sense. What the fuck are we doing? Like, what are we doing here? And then here, Yuamura and Yoda Suji. Guy, this has been boiling over, heating up, all this stuff. They get the spotlight at the end of the gauntlet match at the Kurokin Hall at the Kurokin Hall, uh, row two stuff. 28 minutes. And in a hair versus hair match, right? No urgency, real disdain for each other, no tension, no real feel of competitiveness. They just work a regular ass fucking match. It's hair versus hair. What are we doing here? These guys, the problem with what they're doing with them 
and whether that's against each other or whatever, nothing with any sort of lasting impact or staying power or anything memorable is happening. Nothing. You know what stands out more than having a 33-minute match in Korokin? Hey, let's do something that we don't usually do. Let's do a fucking 17-minute really hot brawl between Ren Narita and Shota Umino, and let's take advantage of the fact that we're in Korokin and let's do something unique. That would stand out. Hey, we're doing a hair versus hair match. We should work this match differently than how we work usual New Japan stuff, and we should we should do some we should do some different stuff. You know who who was allowed to do different stuff? You let Will Osprey and the fucking War Dogs do different stuff a couple weeks ago. You let them fucking bleed all over this big giant ass cage. What are we doing? You let John Moxley come over here and do different stuff. Why can't we do that with the young guys? Why can't we do something that stands out or anything? Where is anything that's as remotely creative as the fucking Hiromu versus Kushida match from Dominion in 2017? Where's anything remotely as creative or adventurous as stand out as that? Because you're that's what the fuck that's how you're gonna hurt these guys. Not who Okada is like is or isn't working or whatever the fuck is that you put them in these positions where they're supposed to be important and have memorable matches. Yoda Suji and Yuyu Yomura is the semi-main event of the show. That is the semi-main event. You are working a 28-minute hair versus hair match that is completely fucking nothing. It is nothing. Nothing happens here. They have a regular-ass match. What's the point of the stipulation? What's the point? Nothing was different here. Nothing was done differently here. On top of the fact that I just don't think they have that great of chemistry, nothing was done differently here. Nothing about this made it stand out, made it feel any different than any time these two have ever wrestled each other, ever. What is the point? Stop putting these guys in these fucking situations if you're not even going to do the service of booking it in an interesting way to make it stand out or do anything for them. Or anything even remotely as interesting as fucking Ren Narita versus Gabe Kidd from the G1 from the G1 last year. We can't figure that out. We can't think, hey, hot match, two young guys go out there be competitive to beat the fuck out of each other. We can't think of anything like that from the block stuff last year. How come we're here and all the fucking creativity or whatever just is is gone? You can't think of anything. They, they got to get this shit together. And it goes beyond beating Naito or Sonata or going on and having feuds with top guys. They got to actually figure out how to structure this stuff in interesting ways. And that goes beyond the limitations or weaknesses of these guys and how I feel about their acts or whatever. They need to book this stuff in interesting ways because right now this shit is, that's not it. That Uemura Suji hair match is not it. And you are going to fuck those guys if you do not start thinking of inter- start thinking of interesting things to do with them. Yeah, um, it feels like the uh, you know the feeling meter. You know the feeling is it back? Is it gone? The feeling meter is like um, inversely related between AEW and New Japan. It's like as soon as as soon as the feeling feels like it's coming back in AEW, New Japan's just like fucking craters. Like and it's just it's so brutal. And maybe it is related to like, oh Okada's leaving, the gun is down, oh everything is so sad. But like it doesn't need to be. And also like when you're fucking Yoda Suji and Yuya Amora, what the fuck do you know? What do you really know about the the peak of New Japan, right? You're 
You were like a young boy. I guess maybe they were in the houses. They used to see what it was like when the crowd was hot. And they're just like, why am I not there? But like, you should be hungry to try to get there and not deliver this bullshit. <laughs> you know, I didn't see the match, but I've seen what's been going on with these guys. And you have a half hour and you're not giving it to me. And it just, it's not looking good. New Japan is not sending their best it's right now. Hair matched him. What's the point it of the matter. You're not, yeah. like Nothing any differently. Even if you... Even if you don't want to be urgent about it, right? Even if there's no urgency, why we can't get a little extra pettiness, some spite, anything interesting at all? Nothing. It is 28 minutes of pure fucking nothing where you 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 more does his goddamn comeback doing his arm drags and the fucking drop kick. What are we doing, dude? <laughs> like what are we what's happening, man? Yeah. Um yeah, and I <laughs> I talked about it at the beginning of the, of when you were like bringing this up, like the uh, you know the the wild chaotic brawl that breaks down into a wrestling match. Um, shout out to first time saying the name right for me, um, or whoa, um, posted Ogawa versus Abby sub five minute crazy bloodletting squash brawl just nuts right it starts with jumping in the crowd crowd brawl chaotic they get in the ring and it just continues to bring that energy and this is my new catch slow my new catchphrase that i stole because i've seen tons of people say it forever it used to be better and this is the same thing yeah why why do why do the hot opening and then settle down into a boring ass long match right like no if you're gonna do the hot opening go quick this shit doesn't need to be a half hour and especially it's the semi-main it's a hair versus hair. They could have done this fast. They could have just done wild chaotic brawl, get into it, and it fin finish it fast. You know, but yeah. Anyways, the feeling is not back. New Japan is is falling apart. Um, it's just not. It's sad. It really is sad to watch. Luckily, again, I don't. I don't. I don't make my brand or make my fandom based around a promotion, so I don't care. New yeah, Japan can just, suck, and that's like, fine. I, I like the guys, like I do. Like right. I do, I do like Suji. I do like Yamura. For his flaws, I do like Umino, and I feel bad for Narita that he's fucking in House of Torture. So I liked Narita a lot. I thought he was yes. the best one out of the four at, at a point. But yeah, yeah. So it sucks because I do like these guys, but you're not doing them any issue. You're not doing any any service here. By having them in matches like this, where they're not in a position to actually do anything that's stand out and memorable, having those having them go out and wrestle thirty minutes—that's that's not cutting it. You need more than that. You need to actually structure the matches in an interesting way. Why why did why does something like Gabe Kidd and Aaron Hanare stand out more? Right. Because those two went out there and they're beating the shit out of each other, and they actually go and brawl in the crowd, and it stays heated and intense for the entire time. You do an interesting finish. Like you do things that actually make it stand out. Narita and Umino got a fucking quirk and main event. Yeah. Granted, so granted, it's a road to show. So how much do you want to, how much stock you want to put into it? But they did stuff on there. They had they had a they had a junior tag title switch on there. They did stuff on those road to shows. Like why in why is Narita and Umino so goddamn bad? Why Hanari and Gabe Kid fucking rocks? Like we we, uh, you, you, like if, if those if those are your main guys, 
if Umino, right. Narita, Yusuji, and Yuamura are like the main guys here, you gotta give them interesting shit to do. You just have to. It goes beyond having long matches with fucking Osprey or Naito, whoever else. Like, you gotta give them interesting shit to do. They gotta figure that out. Well, they had interesting. They had something interesting here to do with the hair match, right? Yeah, and, and then like, and then, but and then again, it's like who, like who might, have, who might have blame more for this? Am I blaming the wrestlers? Or am I blaming, blaming who laid the match out and whose idea, like, whose idea for all for all this stuff was? I don't know. Everyone here, like, I'm, I'm just immensely frustrated because I think that this can work. Like, is, are we in a moment in time? In Japan and the Japanese economy, we were just having another downturn. New Japan's had the same guys on top for a while now. They didn't prepare, like they didn't prepare, they didn't prepare some things the best way. All this stuff. There's a combination of factors going on here. But ultimately, I believe that Narita, Umino, Suji, and Yuamura are all immensely talented. I do believe that, and that's why it's so frustrating. Because if anything is going to get in the way of those guys being successful is going to be the fact that you are booking them in the least interesting ways possible. And you're not doing anything that actually make these guys stand out. It's uh, a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brutal. And it's, it's fucking crazy to watch the way this stuff is falling apart. Um, and obviously it's like kind of the, the Gato booking is probably the biggest issue. Um, he needs to, they need to probably do a freshen up, get them out of there, or get other people involved more. Anyway, I don't know about that, you know, behind the scenes stuff, but it is, it's sad. It's sad to see. Um, it did. I remember kind of one of the things that I thought about talking about, bringing up, mentioning. Um, is semi related, right? It's talking about like the idea of how fucking cold New Japan feels, um, and how. There was the forbidden door, and if we were going to have some kind of like a new injection of something hot with CMLL, that the CMLL visas are like in question now, um, and the, most of the CMLL wrestlers are, um, they're not going to have visas basically active immediately. So that's not going to be great for the idea of doing interesting stuff for AEW and Forbidden Door and all this, um. I was trying, I was trying to do some, you know, shoe leather, gumshoe reporting and really, you know, beat, you know, beat the pavement and figure this shit out. Um, I got a lot of different information from different places to try to figure out because the working on the paperwork and doing all of this stuff to put together these uh, visas are all kind of being done by the same people. Um, so I was trying to figure out, like, what's the issue with the CMLL wrestlers and how does it affect triple a wrestlers who have visas through the same people mass republic basically i'll just say who it is um was the you know the kevin Kleinrock, um southern california wrestling kind of legend whatever he was involved he's been involved in everything in southern california wrestling for decades now at this point um if you don't know who kevin Kleinrock is i can tell you more later if anyone wants to ask me about his you know his history he was involved in like uh wxw he was involved in like the early days of epic um he was involved in the early days of pwg um you know tons of you know like i said connections to xpw all of the companies that started out here in southern california um he now 
with Mass Republic is involved with like the Lucha Brothers and their wrestling store that they have out here in Southern California. And he's been involved in getting a lot of luchadors work visas so that they can come into America easily, um, including AAA and CML. We talked about all the drama and all of the, uh, you know, you can't work together. You can't be on the same show stuff between, uh, you know, the politics of, of wrestling in Mexico. But for some reason, you know, they don't mind working with the same guy to get their visas. That's very funny how when it becomes something serious, you can let the politics go. Um, but the other part of that is that same kind of that same group of people who put together those visas were also people who were involved in putting together visas for Dragon Gate wrestlers who are all over the cards for WrestleMania weekend and the contingent of wrestlers who are from Canada, primarily, you know, the Dragon Gate or the Lions Gate Dojo people. Um, so I was trying to figure out if any of this stuff is connected, if there's any kind of issue that's going to be for all of the visas from when it comes to Dragon Gate and also Lions Gate and AAA as well as CMLL. From what I can get from most people, it does not sound like there's any connection um, when it comes to visa issues. Um, what I did find out going through all of that, which did open my eyes to a lot of things, is a lot of these visas, the ones that are not you know, being contested, are going to be up in March anyways. So that's going to affect a lot of uh, booking in the future beyond that point as well. But yeah, big visa issues with CMLL. Um, making this kind of question, okay, how, what is, does Tony just fix it? <laughs> right. I mean, he's got all the money. He's got, obviously he's got the connections politically. Like, is Tony just going to shill out all the money and fix the visa problems? Or are we going to end up in a situation where like, uh, <laughs> forbidden door is going to be just one of the saddest things ever, because you've got just a ton of wrestlers that nobody gives a fuck about from new Japan, you know, coming over because at this point, AEW is kind of building a big chunk of their year around the idea that that forbidden door is like the hottest show that they have. And I don't think Nick Nemeth, right? Nick Nemeth versus, uh, who, who do you got? Uh, MJF is not going to be a match selling out the show, right? Yeah. Jay white. You know, I mean, what are we, what are we doing if we don't get, have the CMLL guys, right? Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, you you kind of said it here is that it's just happening to the CMLL guys, but it's all but the visas are all all done to the same people, makes which makes me feel like might be a little bit of hating going on. Someone might some, I feel like someone might have made a could call. be it could be a little bit of someone throwing salt in the game, right? Yeah, I, I, which I, I feel I feel like there's some hate happening. That's like I can't I can't I can't confirm this, but if all the visas are done through the same people. And everyone else is fine, and we haven't heard anything about this about anybody else. Feeling like some hating's going on. Now people can take the take take it how they want to, but I think there might be some hate happening. And yes. I, I, while I would like to see the CMLL guys able to like come and interact and do whatever, like, do I expect Tony to be the one shelling that money out? Not really. I don't. I, I don't think anyone should be expecting him to do that either. Honestly. So it's yeah, it, yeah. It, like, I, I would like to see these things like I would I would love to get like get all the core guys back again for uh for bed and door even bring like some new face new, new faces and everything like fucking bring Templario next time and shit like I would like I would love like I would love that but well Templario was on the list of guys whose visa is getting yanked so yeah yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> so 
Yeah. Like I would I would love to get the core guys and bring some bring Templario back and bring Stuka Jr. I would love I would love to do something like that, but yeah, it, it, it just sucks. It's 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 a little frustrating, especially if you're of the belief like me that it seems a little fishy. Right. Yeah, I mean it really does. But also it's like, okay, you know, like I hate to say it, but the southern border is just such a hot topic, right? So it's like politically, it's also like, is it hate? Is it you know, is it someone doing that or is it just being like something? I mean, it could be connected because it could be someone who's involved with some of the sponsorship money, who is, you know, from a southern border state, who's also involved in X, Y, Z, other things. Then that's part of, you know, so it could be hate, but it could be, you know, it could be side stream hate, you know, coming on the other, you know, coming from somewhere else. It's like political posturing. Who knows? But it does feel it feels targeted, but maybe not targeted at CMLL. Because, like I said, it from what I can find from the people who I talk, who I've talked to, who have ideas, and I didn't, you know, I I was I'm really I was really getting in there, Quentin. You have to understand this is not like a single source thing. I talked to multiple people, so I've I've got triple quadruple source on this, like it doesn't seem like it's going to affect Canada or Japan at all based on what information I could get. So it's just, and it doesn't even affect AAA. Now I will be honest. I don't have a lot of connections to AAA people. I don't talk to anybody who would know on the AAA side of things, but based on the information I got, it was like, it's only going to affect CMLL and it's definitely not affecting Japan or Canada. So it does make it seem like, yeah, it's 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 targeted, which who knows, you know, again. Um, I popped in my head. Remember to talk about it anyways. Um, did you watch these two big matches from the recent DDT show? No, I did not. I see like was on cage match just now looking at. Yes. That like looking looking at it and I'm, I'm aware of them just did not get a chance to see them. Um, so before you highly do that, because well, you, you did or didn't, I did, I did. I was going to say, I highly recommend checking them out, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Because like the stuff that I saw, just probably isn't as noteworthy. Um, cause I, I was watching the two most recent all Japan house shows that, um, yes. okay. that, it, that, it, that it came out and I don't know if you would saw any of that stuff. No. Yeah. Get so, it. so I'll say, I recommend the two big matches from the DDC show. Definitely check them out. Um, we can talk about them later if you want, you know, if you want to, um, I think, I actually think that the main event trios match is worth talking about. Yeah. I'm Um, I'm I'm going to watch that for sure. And like the Mal match, like has a, I'm I'm trying to think like if something has a high enough score on cage match, even if I feel like I'm not going to like it as much, I'm just going to be like, Hey, you know what? Okay. Like, let me just give it a chance. Yeah, I'm doing the uh, the XWDT packs, like they do the the match of the month packs. Yeah, I'm actually watching them now, which I would never do in the past, but also because most of the time I've already seen them. Mm. So yeah, I, I I'm definitely with you in in in, uh, in what you're talking about there. So yeah, the Mal match, um, because again, Core Wow mentioned it and was like, should I check this out? I don't like Mao. I'm like, definitely check it out because this is not a Mao match. Mao did not wrestle like Mao. Anyways. Give me your thoughts on this All Japan stuff because I want to watch some All Japan, but I really just find myself only like checking in to see Nakajima and nothing else. Okay, well, 
let's do like let's 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 talk about Nakajima first. Did you watch Nakajima versus Jun Saito? I did. Um which I thought was fine, but it was like I've seen Nakajima do this kind of match in Noah, and that's not like what's making this Nakajima run special. Like Nakajima wrestling a limited young guy is not why I'm like excited about this current Nakajima run. So you're right, but I also feel like because of that, it's also one of his more more impressive performances. I feel like on an individual basis, kind of going to like how I felt about Nakajima this year, I feel like individually he's been really good in all these matches. And I think he's individually really good in this June Saito match. I think he kind of figures out like an interesting way to make this match work. Now, the best match on this show, this uh this February 20th show is actually Dan Dantamora versus Fuminari Abe. That match is very, very good. And actually the best match on the show. But Nakajima is versus that, June Saito. Go ahead. Is that a rematch from like the it was the final of the junior power or junior Power of Glory tournament or whatever, right? It might be actually. I'm not sure. I can't. I can't. I can't remember for sure, but it might be. Anyways, I know that those two have had sick matches with each other before. I just didn't watch this one. Yeah. So you should. You should. You should go back for that. Actually, you probably. You probably like it a lot. Um, but Nakajima, I think, is very good in that June Saito match. So this kind of like so on the two on the two like other house shows because that was that was Kurikin. There's one in Kyoto in. I think the other one was like Okinawa Convention Center, the one from before what I saw. But then he like uh, he has a match versus Hakuto Omori. They go seven minutes. He opens up the sh- he opens up these two shows with singles matches, which I thought was which I, which I think is cool. He opens up these two shows with singles matches. One of them is Hakuto Omori, and the other one is Ren Ayabe. And I think both of these matches are good too against guys that are lower on the pecking order. Hakuto Mori isn't a rookie. He's been here for five years, but Renayabe is a legit, like, still rookie stage type of guy. And the Omori match, I think, is good, but I think the Ayabe match is better than that. And I think they're both very much worth watching if you're in on Nakajima, especially Nakajima's All Japan run currently, that you should watch both of those things. And I'm not saying... I'm not sure... What, like, I, th- I think there's a very clear level of the best guys going right now for me i feel like brian and eddie have, are firmly the top guys for me currently then it's like you have some sort of mixtures of like mox moxley actually sarah's had a really has had a really strong year and stuff like that um but then outside of that i'm i've been really into nakajima this year and i've liked him in every circumstance in every circumstance so since the last time we recorded the june side to match in these two opening matches on these on these uh all japan house shows versus akuto amori and renayabe he's he's good he's good in all these so if you're into nakajima i would definitely say give those a watch another thing i have to say just really isn't that important is fucking suwama and hideki suzuki are getting this tag team push and I watched them versus I watched two of the matches versus uh, Ricky Honda and Yuma Anzai. And then they face Kenta Miyahara and you and, uh, and Aoyagi. And it's just, those matches aren't that good. I don't think this is and Hideki pairing just does nothing for me. 
Like I just, it's just not good. I don't get anything. I don't get anything from it. I especially don't get anything from watching these guys work babyface. It's just I don't like the act. I don't enjoy the act. I don't really care for their sort of goofy Parejas and Creebless dynamic. It's just not. I just don't care for this. And that's I guess the main things or take and takeaways there. I do want to go back and watch the Minoru Suzuki Hikaru Sato match. I did I did forget that when I was watching this show. So I do want to go back for uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Hikaru Sato. But yeah, there's some Nakajima matches. If you're in Nakajima, I would say give a chance to. And this Hideki Suzuki and Suwama tag team is not good. <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue with you about that. Because uh, I'm, I'm sure... I mean, honestly, I'm sure that it's not. Um, you're going on your... Li- you're kind of listing your... <laughs> top level workers of the year so far and there was one name quentin that i feel like was really missing from that list i think maybe you just forgot you didn't think about it but was clearly in the match of the decade so far uh i how did you not have michael oku there on the list you know Um, i really forgot that match existed just now (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that we were just gonna get away without having to talk about. We're just this. gonna pretend like it didn't happen. Um, yeah, we, got, we got close to it. We did get close. We to were it. this close, but I'm not gonna let you sneak away. I'm talking <laughs> about not only Michael Oku and Will Osprey going for 50 minutes. Quentin, what, what, really, what do we have to say about this at this point? Right, like, um, number one, match is not very good. Uh, number two, match is way too long. Uh, number three, somehow. And you, I think you talked about this somewhere, or you at least were tweeting about it. Maybe you talked about it last time, last uh, last show. But like, this match just completely breaks Meltzer's brain. It's it's out yeah. of control. Um, yeah, this is just now that we've both watched it, like, can confirm not uh, not the greatest match of the past seventy years or whatever. Well, you like you know what it is too. It's like for me, this match is fine. I don't hate it. Like, I don't hate the match. It's fine. There's Things about sure. it that I do like, but on a fundamental level, the reason why Osprey Oku was just so fucking weird to me for anyone that's just super duper into this is even as an Osprey fan, you're asking me to buy into this super badass, dangerous version of Will Osprey. I'm, it's a it's a no for me, dog. You're not gonna get me there. I'm sorry. You're not gonna get me to do that. It's just not going to happen. You, I will, I will not meet you in this place where you can convince me or try to sell me on this belief of Will Osprey being this dangerous wrestler. Is he a dangerous person in the ways of being a fucking rape apologist? Hey, sure, but well, that's a different type of danger. Like we're but as, a, as a wrestler, <laughs> as a, yeah, as, as a as a wrestler. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just I'm just not there. And the main thing, really, even beyond Osprey. Michael Oku just is not that good. Nope. He's just not. He's not that good of a baby face. He's not that good. He's oh. not that compelling. He's not, not that likeable. He's not that he's not that likable. He doesn't sell that well. He's not that good of a baby face. So, like fundamentally, just in terms of this good versus evil overcoming the odd story that you're asking me to care about, it's just not working because I don't the 
guy that's the lead role, basically the guy that the story is about, he's just not very good. Well, I kept getting confused because I kind of felt like a lot of the dynamics that they were delivering here were like built around, it made Oku feel like he was a heel at well, times. And well, that was partially because the crowd was like super going to be super into Osprey because it's his last night and they love him and stuff. But like the stuff with like Amari, Amari, whatever, I always fuck up with her name. Like that stuff just felt very heelish. And then a lot of the stuff he was doing just felt kind of heelish. I mean, obviously he gets the submission win and he's supposed to be the triumphing baby face defending, you know, England and stuff. But yeah, I just when you talk about him just not being a good baby face. I mean, that's a big part of it. It's just like. I'm watching the match and I was like getting confused throughout it, like kind of thinking he was a heel. Yeah, no, and I feel like he probably does turn after this. That's the he thing. Is like, I, I do feel like the natural conclusion here is that he probably does turn relatively soon. But yeah, for sure. Even the, the, to the extent in which he's involved, feels extremely heelish. So yeah. Yeah, it's like I don't I don't I don't hate this match. You're not gonna come here and get some obliteration of this match for me or I mean, like I have all these things to say about it I, I don't think it's fine I just think it's like fun on a, on, a fun, on a fundamental level the things that you want that require me to be into this match it just doesn't work and I just I, I question anyone who cares I, I don't understand anyone who's really into this Osprey Oku story I yeah. don't get it I will. I don't understand it. I don't understand what there is about this to be super drawn into, and I will especially never understand it from Dave. I will just never get it. But it's whatever. Uh, did you watch Zach and Connor Mills? I sure did. We got to talk about this. We got to okay. talk about because I've been I've been messaging. I put it in the in the the Twitch. I messaged you. I, I tweeted it out. But this. Current clearly ripping off 2000s Kenta Connor Mills is <laughs> fucking painful, man. Like everything about him screams like I am trying to be good Kenta. And the saddest part about it is that like his execution is like not as good as current Kenta. You're trying to ape 2000s Kenta and you're looking worse than 2023 Kenta. It's fucking sad, man. Yeah, I don't. Character like it, it's such a like, Connor Mills' thing has never like as far as like in the ring stuff has never been execution. His his he's always been pretty good with that, but clearly as we see now, now he just has no actual direction or anything sort of tangible or understandable character wise, which sucks because for me I actually really like this match a lot. I think this match is I think this match is great. It's not the typical touring Zach match that. You were that you would get from 2016 and 2018. It's something with Connor Mills getting a lot of offense in and stuff like that, and Zach Saber Jr. selling a lot, and Connor Mills eventually selling more too as Zach is mounting more offense and stuff like that. And it's, I think, I think it's more interesting and a different approach than what we would usually get from the typical Zach for a touring match from the late 2010s. So I thought it was really good. I thought it was executed really well as a match. But yeah, just imagine my surprise of yeah, let me let me watch Zach and Connor Mills. I've liked Connor forever. Obviously a big Zach fan. Let me go watch this match. And I see him with and I see Connor with the fucking shortcut and everything. I'm like, oh, what the fuck just happened here? What's going on? Did 
is this Kevin Blackwood? What's happening? <laughs> what's, what's going on here? But, uh, yeah, like, I, but everything that we said about Connor Mills, I still thought that this match was really good. I liked it a lot. I thought Zach, Zach drug it out of him. He was in front of a good crowd for Zach. Um, so yeah, like not gonna, you know, not gonna, uh, not gonna belabor that point when it comes to it. The quality of the match, I thought again, I, I'm with you that I think it was solid, but it did not speak well to Connor Mills, man. Because any okay. all any of his offense. Anything that he did was just like not great, <laughs> and then like luckily there was like very minimal of that, and Zach Zach stuff was good. Um, I because of how much I did not like Connor in this match, and part of it probably was how glaring it was to me that like he was doing this fucking really really bad Kenta tribute act. Um, hurts it a ton that like I couldn't say that this is a good match just because like. You know, there's just too, there was just too much. Half of the match I thought was like pretty bad. Like you know, half of the people in the match. Um, that said, like Zach looked great. The crowd was into it, and and all of that I can definitely see where you're coming from. Zach is on another plane right now. Zach is working at that you know 2014 through 2016 Zach level, where it's like this guy is like just one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, so like yeah, we'll just we'll see if that continues to like move forward, hopefully, you know, new Japan cup stuff, all this and that, and they do something. I'm looking it up. I was trying to find if there was any thing close to Zach wrestling peak Kenta. And there is one singles match in 2011. Kenta versus Zach in Noah that goes 20 minutes as the semi-main on a fucking house show. Oh my god, I thought this was a Noah house show. This is Noah in Europe. This is Noah in Wolverhampton. Oh my god. I'm gonna have to fucking DM Benno and see if we can find this match. Because I want to see Kenta versus Zach in Noah in England going 20 minutes in the semi-main. This sounds like this has got to be good. Uh, anyways. What, what, what year is that? 2011. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, 2011 Kenta is decent. Yeah. Zach in 2011 was like right there, just about to break out across like the international. He was very good at that time. It's in England and it's in Noah and it's the semi main and it's given almost 20 minutes. That's got to be solid. Um, I wonder if that's. That might be on. Is that on WXW now? It might be on WXW now. Oh, you know what? I didn't think about that, but you're, it could be because that was like when they were joint promoting with them. Um, yeah, so maybe that's on WSW. Yeah. I'll check and see if it's there or I'll, I'm gonna find this. I'm gonna it's probably won't be that hard to find, but I'm gonna look around and find it. Um other things on this show that I, I you know you kind of mentioned. Also, this is where I got confused. Oscar Lube. That's I was thinking that that was uh Ole, Ole Bolton. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, because they're they they don't look their names are not similar, they don't look alike, but they're Eastern European weirdo dudes um, that are, for some reason, are young lions. Um, Luke Jacobs and JJ Gale. This is similar to the Zach and Connor Mills thing for me. JJ Gale, I think I for you, fucking stinks. Yeah, JJ oh. Gale sucks ass, but wow. Luke Jacobs looks yes. really good in this match. I hope he fucking kills Michael Ogu. God, <laughs> I hope that. Yeah, that's that's what I was wanting when you were talking about Michael Ogu turning heel i'm like yes he needs to turn heel 
and Luke Jacobs needs to put his dick in the fucking dirt. Um, because yeah, that's the that's what we really need. And then I was like, we have fucking not seen Ethan Allen in so goddamn long. And then I looked yeah, at it. Yeah, what's going on with him? He hasn't wrestled since 2022, which is insane. Oh, Jesus. Um, right. He's been gone for almost, or he left in December of 2002 was his last match. So he's has not wrestled for over a year. Now it's like a year and three months or whatever. Um, and I was checking, I checked out his Twitter and his Twitter is him posting some really good looking physical training stuff and saying, you know, soon I'm going to be back soon, basically. So it's really tough because this has been a big year for Luke Jacobs. He's changed so much since the last time we've seen Ethan Allen. It almost feels like they're not on the same level anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, I just really hope that he can come back and be at that level and, and catch up to, to Luke quickly because the UK scene could really use something like that. Um, yeah. Especially now, you know, we've got Osprey is probably going to be gone. Zach is going to be doing what he's going to be doing. Like, yeah. So it's just, yeah, I was just kind of like, God, it's been so long. It's been all, it's been over a year at this point. So, so yeah, that's uh that was going on there, but yeah, Luke Jacobs, I thought looked phenomenal in this match. If, even if, you know, he's going in there with JJ Gale, who looked terrible. Um, Genuinely, is anything he, else on this Red show? JJ Gale no. might be my least favorite wrestler in the world. Just yeah. based off this okay. match, I don't know what it like. Just God, I can't fucking say JJ Gale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not uh, not into it. Um, is there anything else on the Red Pro show you want to talk about? Oh no, I don't Mustafa know. Ali, Robbie X. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch that. I didn't watch that one. Um, yeah. Saw saw a clip of them chanting of like you know Mustafa Ali showing off that he has hair and then Robbie X is bald and decided yeah you know what I'm cool on that but <laughs> the opener the opener for the AEW International Title I'm sure that it's good I see people saying it's good I I just did not put I I will watch it eventually but I just didn't really think that it needed to be watched um you know uh Dave put that one over you know what I mean like we don't need to put it over um. I mentioned to you that I was going to check out this Limit Break show. I did check it out. Um, my biggest takeaway was uh, there was a you know Daisuke Sakamoto and, and Sakuraba time limit, 15-minute yeah. time limit draw that was worth watching, um, even with the 15 minutes and the time limit draw. But my actual biggest takeaway was there was a uh, Ak- Akatoshi Saito and Fujita versus Great Bash Heel tag team match. The people were like raving as like the best match on the show or whatever. Um, And I watched it and I was just kind of like, I don't know what the fuck these people are talking about. It was good. I'm not saying it was bad. It was shocking because you haven't seen Makabe like wrestle like this in a long time. Like actually wrestle. The same for Hanma, really. Hanma has been like kind of unfortunately, sadly, like not there anymore. But like this was like, it felt like they were both trying and they were giving you something, but I would not call it a great match. Um, Mohamed Yone and, and uh, Masato Tanaka was, was really solid as well. But yeah, that was my, my biggest takeaway was just that, that like, I cannot believe people were like raving about this tag team match. And I'm just like, it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's that, but that, yeah. you know, that's the Noah thing. You know that though. Sure. 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 I should know that. Um, yeah. um did you, uh, before, before we're out of here, I guess the only other notable thing is 
FTR versus uh, Mox and Claudio from last week's Dynamite was okay. really fucking good. And just gonna say it, just just gonna just gonna say it here. Uh, FTR has been really really good this year. Yes, I understand, and I get it, and I feel like part of this is mm-hmm. is due to the fact that at the heights of their most annoying and when people were just kind of like sick of them and over them that I just wasn't on Twitter right. and experiencing all of this and going through whatever social media and stuff leaking backstage and like I was because I just wasn't I just wasn't present for it. So I feel like I'm definitely coming at coming at FTR matches from a different perspective. But they've been really good for the whole year. And I'm extremely excited for the tag match at Revolution between uh, Claudio and Mox and FTR. Yeah. As we're recording, we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday night, so I didn't see I didn't see Dynamite. So I'm gonna go check and see if Dynamite's up, so I can watch the six man tag. And you know, it's it's Mox and Claudio, and they've had like great years too. But it's just funny that I'm just here in. A lot of the people people that we're friends with are just out on FTR and it's like, man, like these guys are like having good matches. And I don't really for me, I'm watching them and it's like, man, like match wise, I don't really see anything to dislike. But it's also, you know what? I also feel like it's not really about them as wrestlers. Never has been. Never has been. Everyone, everyone who yeah. Everyone who's like reasonable has all agreed and said the same thing that they're great wrestlers love watching them wrestle enjoy their matches and it's not and it's you know it's the really sad part is like you're saying them on the social media it's not them on the social media it's just it's absolutely just what what we like to call drinks hard booze um that like he is just a whining fucking bald baby bitch who did a podcast with the saddest fucking worst podcaster who's ever lived um and like just completely tainted everyone's reputation of the team that most of us absolutely adore and think are great um when you saw that tweet going around it's like oh you know dream matches you know who really knows ball one of the ones that i posted was the triple threat you know the original triple threat from uh ecw shane douglas bam bam bigelow chris candido versus cmftr like that is to me, I'm like, oh, you want to talk about who really knows ball? This is like a trios match that's like really knowing ball type shit. Cause that would be the perfect match. Because CMFTR were fucking amazing. Their hit rate as a team, the those three guys as a trios was phenomenal. They delivered some of the best wrestling that you'll ever fucking see. You know, like they were so good. But yeah, they like Talk about toxic personalities, right? CM Punk and Dax are like just fucking just the worst. You do not want them on social media. Just get them off the internet. Let me just watch them wrestle. They're great. Um, I think that was it. There was something else you mentioned in there I wanted to hit back on, but who fucking cares? Um, I feel like we're going to... I guess we probably should jump off because we've been going for a bit. I don't know. The DPW Forever Show, I assume you haven't watched it. Um, yeah, I didn't but to, I didn't to watch there's, a, there's a ton of stuff there that's worth watching so we can hit that up later if you check it out hopefully next week um there's a violence x suffering show no one else is going to care about this i tweeted it out as like one of my 
honorable mentions, but I would recommend people take the time to check out Teriyaki versus Jackson Drake. I feel like I remember you saying that you were like at least somewhat like interested in Jackson Drake, like you liked yeah. him. Um, I would highly recommend checking that match out. It's really fucking good for just like a random two guys less than 15 minutes on an undercard on an indie show that no one's ever going to watch. It was really fucking good. Like these guys, very, very talented. Teriyaki cuts like a pre-match promo showing a ton of personality that he's like picking up from getting to tour around the world. I really love that confidence from him. And then they kicked ass in the match itself. This show also has a main event of Leo Rush versus Arez that is not quite what your peak, what you would expect from them, but definitely also not like in the basement. It was solidly in the middle of what you would expect from two insanely great workers having a match with each other. So I would highly recommend it. Listen to it on mute because unfortunately they did this weird thing where they've got simultaneous Spanish and English commentary happening at the same time. Oh. And one of the English commentators is Julius Smokes. So <laughs> someone speaking Spanish and Julius Smokes doing commentary at the same time is not super fun to listen to. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend checking that out on mute, but check out Jackson Drake and Teriyaki for sure. Um, the other thing that I actually want to talk about before we go, um, I don't know if you saw it, but there's no point in bringing it up later if you didn't watch it. The finals of the Jumbo Grand Prix tournament um, in Wrestling Open between Ryan Clancy and TJ Crawford. Um, Tony Romo, famous for his ribs, um, tournament <laughs> final or the classic trophy final. I, did you end up watching this or not? No. No. Um, like I said, I would recommend that people check this out. It's not worth it for us to bring it up later. It's already like a little bit. Eh, it's not that old, but it's already like a week old. Um, this was phenomenal. Ryan Clancy, TJ Crawford are the guys for the Northeast scene right now, especially because they're so well matched as heel and babyface dynamics wise. Ryan Clancy works this like very funny gimmick, you know, fancy Ryan Clancy. And then like, he's supposed to be like, I'm a gentleman. And you know, he's like, he kind of comes across like he's trying to do old school throwback rat pack thing. And in a lot of other places that would be like a heel thing, but he's so endearing and so likable that it works as a baby face thing. Um, that I highly recommend it. TJ Crawford, we've mentioned in the past, he's just phenomenal, great shit eating heel, but modern day, where like he's able to do a ton of spots kind of in the same vein as we were talking about earlier with Sinner and Saint, a guy who's able to be a heel, actually get heat, be shitty, but still work to the standard of what you expect in 2024 from a wrestling match. Highly recommend this. These guys worked this match. You know, it's, you know, it's the wrestling open cup, whatever. It doesn't matter. They wrestled it in a way where it felt like there were some stakes to it. It actually fucking mattered. There was something worthwhile on the line between them. And I would definitely recommend that people check it out. You don't need to even know the history because the commentary team did such a great job of building it up and making it feel like it mattered. So you got it as you watch it. It also develops and makes it feel like it matters. So this was like a really great little capsule of a match to get you hooked in with the drama, get you into it from like the work, everything about this very solid, highly recommend taking the time to watch it. Um, but again, like I said, no point in us talking about it later. Like the DPW, the DPW we can talk about next week. Um, Quentin, anything else you want to hit before you close it out for the evening? 
Uh, no, I think we're all good to go here. You can follow me at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Dutch. You can follow the, pod, the, the podcast at QNTR. You can follow the website at Violent underscore People. And check out violentpeople.co. You know, we have Core... Core Wow? Is that, core. Is that it? Wow, yeah. Because Core Wow. Yeah, you've always said it right. I'm the one who says it wrong. Am I the one who says it wrong? I can't. Yeah, you were the I'm, one who was saying it right. So Core yeah. Wow. Core Wow. Yes. I was a Core Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, He's doing his weekly roundups on violent people. If you're ever looking to see what you should and shouldn't be paying attention to as we're do, as we're do, as we're doing stuff, you can also catch Dan Rice, who's been putting out a ton of really great articles on the website since the since the inception, and check out all of his work. And if you're feeling up to it, turn in the turn in a ballot for the Violent People 100. Violent People 100. You can uh, turn in a ballot that's 50 people or 100. But just turning your ballot of the best people of 2023 wrestling. If you have any thoughts on that and haven't turned a ba- and haven't turned a ballot in, and just to plug it one more time, if you're interested, Psychology is Dead back after two years did a episode with Ethan from Four Pillars of Hell about the origins and history of shoot style. So you know where it came from, the stylistic differences between the main promotions and all this stuff, what kind of contributed to the genre burning out and sort of like the coverage and narratives and stuff surrounding shoot, surrounding shoot style and if any of that stuff is like really warranted. I had a lot of fun recording that podcast and, you know, I feel like if you're interested in that genre of wrestling, I just want to learn about some a little bit of wrestling history that, if you, that you might not know about. I think it's worth tuning into. So check out all the things I mentioned out. And thank you all for listening. Hope you're next time. We're self-imploding Under the weight of your advice I wear a suitcase Under each one of my eyes Finally I know now what it takes It takes money in aeroplanes If you lost me, let me 
airport.